Father, I pray that as we look to your word, that you would continue to encourage our hearts this morning, that we would focus on you, that your words would draw us closer to you, that we would understand that you are the God of the Bible and that we want a relationship of depth and of circumstance that, that revolves around you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Thanks for giving us a body that represents that. I pray that we would apply what your word has to say to our life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to be honest. This has been quite a week. Um, started with a, uh, a wedding last weekend. That's where I was. I had a, a wedding on Saturday that was uh, enjoyable. Both families uh, very much in love with one another and, and ready for this union. And, and it was a great day uh, to see what God was doing uh, because as we talk about these intersections of reality and eternity, I put marriage in that camp. That it's a representation from Ephesians of what it's supposed to be like between Jesus and His church, right? And so when we get an opportunity to be involved in these weddings and these marriages, we're seeing the reality and eternity collide right there in front of us. The very moment that they are married, it, it gives us a glimpse of eternity as well. I uh, finished my sermon material a little bit early because I wanted to, to be ready for the weekend and had lots of things going on with a football camp and some other things. And so... That's when I put the phrasing together, and it's a, it's a sermon that I normally deliver these two words in, in moments of impact, and I've used it in a number of funerals, to be honest. Because nowhere are you more reminded of reality colliding with eternity than in those moments. And I didn't know when I finished Wednesday and put this online what I would be doing Wednesday night and I was spending time with the Hoovers and the Kepharts as they said goodbye to Cody. And so, when I say it's been a full week, that was only Wednesday, right? <laughs> so, God knows way ahead of us what's going on, and that's the beautiful part of eternity, right? The everyday can be overwhelming, and we can have trouble interpreting it, we can have trouble figuring out where it fits, unless we view it through eternity, unless we connect the two in our own minds. It's one of the most difficult things as a believer you will try to do. To try to rectify circumstances in your life today with what God wants for you forever. To see your way through even the good things, right? Because we spend a lot of time in our lives doing good things that are not necessarily the best things. Because we haven't viewed our reality connected to eternity. And every day, that's what we get to do. We get to, to live, right? We have lots of new babies around, and, and right there is an intersection of reality and eternity. That, that little child, for the first time, is meeting reality. And we are getting to meet that child, but that child has existed in God's mind eternally. 
And so there's an intersection of eternity and reality right there in those moments. There are times that we go through life circumstances and we forget those things. Some of the moments in our life that that will only make sense in light of eternity. Fully. Good and bad. And so I wanted to challenge you guys to think about it. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks about putting up memorial stones, ways to remember things in your life. And, and we talked about last week, Ben shared who we are and who God is and keeping that in perfect spots. And, and yet, it's really hard when you're in the midst of the everyday eight-hour work day or the 15-hour the days that you're putting in to think about how that is valuable in eternity. It's easy to get lost in one or the other. And so I chose to look at Jesus and John the Baptist as they walked through life together and and how linked they were together and how many times in their lives reality and eternity intersected and what they chose to do with it and how they, they handled it and what it looked like. And then I want you to think about what it looks like in your life. The story starts basically, and I'm not going to give you all of the, the details because there's so much fullness in their lives, obviously you can't touch it all, but I'm going to highlight some, some points. The first one is that the, the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah was visited by an angel and told that they were going to have a child and, and that happened. And then Mary and Joseph were also visited by an angel. And so they both as parents, had been visited by God, their lives had been intersected by the very God of the universe at some point to say, listen, you're going to have a child and here is what his destiny is. Wouldn't that be great, parents? (laughs) To know, (laughs) that's true, yes and no, I heard that. To know at least on the front end what you're going to face, I guess is the way I look at it. I, I don't like to be unprepared very much. My wife will tell you that. And so these two families knew, wow, they're going to have a child, they're going to raise a child, they're going to grow up, and they're going to they're do big things. And then the intersection of their two lives happens before they're even born. So you look at Luke chapter 1 with me. If you're following along on version, it's that first passage. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Jesus and John meet in utero. Okay? Because Mary gets this news that, that she is going to have a child and, and it will be the Savior of the world. And Elizabeth has already been uh, in her about her seventh month with John the Baptist. So John was older. And he was going to be the forerunner to Jesus to tell people that, what, the light is coming into the world. And we'll get there. And so Elizabeth already has baby John and Mary comes to visit. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, 
Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, Elizabeth, to Mary. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. That's what Elizabeth was saying as Mary walked through the door and said, Elizabeth! That's all she got out. That the baby in Elizabeth interacted with Jesus immediately. The baby leaped for joy. Think about that. Ladies that have been pregnant understand what it's like to feel the baby move. Can you imagine what Elizabeth felt when Jesus shows up in Mary and bang, all of a sudden, there's a leaping child in your womb. The interaction of them goes literally to where before they were born. It is eternal. They had not yet even been here in this world. (laughs) And yet they were interacting. Two men connected by eternity. The next time that I want you to highlight, and I'm going to run through a couple of these stories to get to what we're going to talk about that applies to us. The next one is when John baptizes Jesus, right? Because John was John the Baptist and he went out and he was baptizing a lot of people and he was bringing them into the faith and he was following and then he tells them, don't follow me, right? Don't get so wrapped up in my baptism because somebody else is coming. That was John's job. That's why he was created to tell people that their eternity would be different because of Jesus. He tells them in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew 3, 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John is pointing everyone to Jesus and he's baptizing these folks and he's saying, don't get caught up with me. I'm just the guy to tell you about who's really coming that's going to make a difference in reality and eternity. He's going to change things here and eternally. And I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. John knew in reality where he fit. He knew what his job was because it was internally inside of him from the very conception of his life and his mother knew it right right from the time he was conceived. That his reality would be to tell other people about Jesus because Jesus would then change eternity. And so Jesus shows up and, and John has the interaction that we know about that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, 
And do you come to me? So John is saying, you got the roles wrong here, Jesus. I'm supposed to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus just says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized and He went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is My Son, whom I love, and with Him I am well pleased. And so, John and Jesus have this opportunity in front of other disciples that are there. Right? Other people have been baptized. Jesus comes. They have the interaction. And John baptizes Jesus right there in the river. And as soon as He's done, Jesus gets up out of the water. And this is, if you're looking for a passage to talk about the Trinity, this is a great one. Because they are all in one place at one time. It's God one in three persons, right? The dove comes down and alights on, on Jesus. The voice from heaven says, this is my son, Jesus, in whom I am well pleased. And all three of them are recognized in one snippet of Matthew chapter three. And it's another experience to pile on top of the reality that, that John and Jesus are linked forever. Right? That they're going to have to, to go through life together and tell others all that has happened and unfolding. And John now has this experience to, to bolster what it was that he already knew, right? He already believed it. He was already baptizing and doing the things that he was supposed to be doing in this reality. But now, he's been there and experienced an intersection with eternity. He's come face to face with the reality that God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all right here working in and through our world. It's a pretty powerful opportunity. It's also an argument, just so you know, I'm trying to get a little sidelight in here too because we're going to do another baptism in August, but Jesus was an adult when He was baptized. It was a recognition of His faith and trust in His Father. That's why He entered the waters of baptism. Because He had made the conscious choice to be a believer and to follow Him with all His heart. And He wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I am following the prescripted way that my Father has laid out. It's an outward symbol of the inward decision you've already made. So we're going to do that in August again if the water's not too high, but we'll see. So this beautiful picture of, of reality intersecting eternity over and over in their lives, and then it happens again, and this time it's by a messenger coming to Jesus because John had been very vocal with the Roman authorities the local ruler 
had taken a wife that that John believed was inappropriate and the circumstances of her husband's death were were uh, concerning. And so John had come out against that leader and said, this man is in sin. And he continued to tell people, you cannot follow him because you understand Roman leaders were held in a very high state. They were almost godlike. And so to be telling the, the populace that this man is not a good leader, he is not, he is in sin, is gonna bring some retribution. And eventually it happens because it comes about that this leader's wife decides to have John the Baptist beheaded. And so John one night is in a jail and is brought up and he is beheaded to end his criticism of the authorities. Jesus finds out from a messenger that that happened, that his dear friend John has been killed basically taking the Gospel to people. Telling them the truth of what what God really wanted for their life. And in Matthew chapter 14, we see Jesus dealing with this. He gets the information, and in verse 13 of chapter 14 in Matthew, when Jesus heard what had happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus' heart was hurting. Right? He had lost a dear friend, somebody that he had, he had known literally before they were born. Grown up with, respected, obviously knew that he was part of God's plan for his life, submitted to baptism, all of these intersections in reality that pointed to the eternal nature of their relationship. And he finds out that he's been beheaded. He withdraws to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the crowds followed Him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, He saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. And He healed their sick. What Jesus does with these intersections is important for us. Because Jesus had just had to deal with the loss of a very dear friend. Someone that was imperative to His mission even. And we'll read John 1 in a minute. Someone that was deeply entrenched in His life. Someone that he loved. And he loses him. He tries to withdraw to get some space, right? But the reality is, there were still people there. The reality of life didn't really change that much. Jesus was still going to be followed by throngs of people and asked to perform miracles 
to tell them who He was? My own interpretation. Okay? Jesus deals with John the Baptist's death with compassion, right? With empathy, with understanding for the people that he came face to face with because he knew what eternity meant. He was able to, in that moment of reality, say, yes, my reality is broken. My reality hurts. My reality is dysfunctional. It's not what I want it to look like. But I know John's eternity. I'm not sure about these folks. He was able to step off of that boat and immediately summon compassion for folks that he didn't know where they were going. Why they were even there to see him. They were hurting. They were broken people. And Jesus' life had led him to the point through all of these circumstances to take that reality, step out of the boat and say, I've got a lot of heaviness in my soul, but so do they. Your reality is affected by your view of eternity. Whether you want it to be or not, it is. It will drive you on a daily basis. If your view of eternity is that there is no eternity, then you will embrace the reality of your day every day. You will try to squeeze everything out of it because this is all there is, right? Enjoy it now because when it's gone, it's done. And I'm going to think about me and I'm going to think about today. I don't believe that that is the example that Jesus gives us. I'm not telling you to be unhappy people. Okay? I'm not telling you to not enjoy your life. The things that God does for you in the everyday. But I want you to understand how to filter it through eternity. Because if you can filter all of the good things that you understand that everything is from Him and through Him and to Him, if you can start to gain some kind of understanding that He loves you and He provides for you and He protects you on a daily basis and you begin to filter all of your reality, your, your real possessions all through that lens, then when you hurt, it will be easier for you to process that hurt through the lens of eternity as well. Because you've practiced it. One of the most difficult things we're going to face in the world that we live in here in America is the distraction of our reality. We're pretty soft people, folks. I'm not ashamed to say it. 
I've been in other parts of the world where their life is much harder than mine. And we can get lost in the everyday reality of where we are and, and think about all the things that happen on social media and the, the social drama that happens there and let it ruin our day. <laughs> or we can filter that through eternity and say, you know what, that's not what it's about. That's not what I'm created for. That's not what John and Jesus <laughs> were created for. The example that they had and the way that they grew up together side by side and the interactions and the intersections that they had over and over with reality and eternity. The reminders that happen in your life constantly, right? If you're really looking, if you have, if you have examined what it is that's going on in your life and you've seen where you have been, and where you are now, and you look at the steps in between, there's going to be pain and there's going to be good. It's in common with all of us. But your reality should be shaped by your view of eternity. Jesus' reality in that moment was John was gone. And yet he had to process the world that he lived in through eternity, not as reality. Jesus also intrinsically and deeply knew he was God, right? And he knew why he was here. He believed it. He lived it out over and over and over. I'm not telling you folks that you can be Jesus, okay? But if you call yourself a Christian, then you should want to follow Christ's example and strive to be more like Him every day. To apply the things that He taught, the way that He lived, the attitude that He carried. If you want to tell the world something different, then love them. <laughs> because that's not happening a lot, if you notice. John chapter 1, it's pretty clear what God had in mind. As the author here writes John chapter 1 in light of the reality of who John the Baptist was and Jesus was and what the plan was from the beginning, right? Because Jesus is the Word, okay? That is literally the Word in flesh, okay? And in John chapter 1, it says this. And this is not John the Baptist writing, just so we're clear. In the beginning, the world the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life 
brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The best illustration that I can give to you folks is that Jesus is the light of the world. That in every circumstance, light overcomes darkness. It's just the way it works. There was an author that wrote of a story of his son going to a hall closet. He's sitting in the room watching his son open the closet door to get something out. And it dawns on him, my son is not afraid of darkness because he knows as soon as he opens the door, the light will overcome the darkness. That's the way our lives work. Darkness doesn't suddenly overcome you, right? It's not how it works. When you are in a dark situation, I would say you normally turn on your flashlight, but you probably turn on the flashlight on your phone now, right? Because you know, no matter what, no matter where you are, light overcomes darkness. That's the way it works. Eternity overcomes reality. Period. Those things of eternal value will overcome your reality because the light of the world made it so. (laughs) That's the way it works. That when we begin to understand all of the good things that we've been given and process them through the lens of eternity and be thankful to God for what it is that we have and we practice it in those good times, That when we are hurting, we can take that same practice and put it to work and understand that my God is good. I don't understand it, but I know that light will overcome darkness. I know that eternity overcomes reality every time. So you have to, in your own hearts, understand how to define eternity and reality. You have to figure out what you really believe about eternity. Because what you believe about eternity will dictate how you act in reality. That's just how it works, folks. If you believe that Jesus was the Lord, as John the Baptist did, then John the Baptist went to his grave because he believed the light of the world was going to make it all right. And Jesus had compassion on those folks at the boat because He knew that His friend John was going to be alright. And all of the disciples that were martyred, they all went to their graves 
because they fully believed that eternity was greater than reality. Their eternal perspective was greater than the reality of their everyday world. This week, you're going to have to think about that. I'm going to make you, right? What are you thinking about when it comes to eternity? Do you really believe that there is an eternity and that, and that it's a good place and that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world to understand how to get there? That's a pretty cool promise. If so, then you have something to hold on to today, no matter what you're going through. I'm not saying you're going to stop hurting immediately. But I pray that it helps. That the God of all comfort and the God of all compassion would show up for you. Father, thank You for the opportunity to, to look to Your Word. <laughs> Father, how You orchestrate events and lifetimes and eternities. Lord, I pray that You would continue to bring us comfort, that we would continue to give You the glory that we would empty ourselves of all the things that, that separate us from who You are. That we would take every day as a gift in view of eternity. That we know we're one step closer to being with You for eternity. And that makes the reality that much more bearable. Lord, I pray that You give us grace to do that that You give us confidence and strength. Lord, thank You for Your Word and for Your truth. In Jesus' name, Amen.